Welcome to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. This is Kareem Sirajuddin. I had the privilege and honor to speak with the lovely Imam Zaid Shakir. For those of you that don't know, he is one of the world's most influential Muslims in the Muslims 500 magazine. He is the board chairman and co-founder of Zaytuna College, as well as a faculty member. He is a lecturer, social activist, and author, and really just a cool guy, mashallah. He's a mountain of knowledge, of presence, but uh, you can sit down with him and have a cup of coffee like your your best friend next door, and uh, just beautiful, beautiful energy. Um, This conversation, we talked a bit about Black History Month and the importance of reviving the Islamic values of of transcending race and seeing ourselves as spiritual brothers and sisters. And uh, it was a it was kind of a short conversation. Mashallah, he's always in service. He had to go to give a khutbah, um, but we do plan to have him back on soon. And so we jump right into our five fun questions with Imam Zaid, and then talk a bit about Black History Month. Don't forget to support this podcast by leaving me a review in iTunes. And visit patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem to sponsor this show and help me continue to get amazing guests like Imam Zaid Shekhar. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. So this is Imam Zaid Shakir, and I'm coming to you via the Coffee with Kareem. So if you have some coffee, put some Kareem in that coffee so we can all... Just enjoy coffee with Kareem. That's the only way to enjoy your coffee is with Kareem. Barakallahu feekum. Yalat, faddan. Imam Zaid Shekhar, are you ready for your five fun questions? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I hope, as I said, I'm not a party pooper. Not at all, not at all. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Okay, first question, Imam Zaid. If you could only eat one fruit for the rest of your life, which one would you go with? If I could only eat one fruit for the rest of my life, I I would probably go with a banana because it has a lot of potassium. And potassium is good for your blood pressure and other functions in the body. So I would go with the banana. Okay, question number two. If you could be any animal for a day, which one would you want to be? Uh, if I could be any animal for a day, I, I would want to be uh, a bird. An eagle would do, so I could just soar and experience the freedom of being unconnected uh, from the ground and uh, soar towards the heavens and just drift and look down on things. So, yeah, I would, I would be a bird for a day. All right, question number three, sir. What would you say is your favorite cuisine of all time? Wow. I would say my favorite cuisine of all time. That's tough, but I would I would have to qualify the question and say one of my favorite cuisines of all time is uh, asparagus uh, cooked to a, a very tender texture with and, and then bathed in olive oil. Sounds kind of Italian. With a little spice, with a little, some little spice, maybe a little Italian seasoning and some turmeric and a little cayenne pepper. All right, sir. Question number four. If you could have a, f- a free ticket to fly anywhere in the world next week, where would you like to go? If I had a free ticket to go anywhere in the world next week, I would go to Medina, Munawwara. Allahu Akbar. Yeah, to just be in the company of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
Excellent. And question number five, sir. If you could have one superhero power, which one would it be and why? If I had one superhero power, which would it be and why? Uh, if I had one superhero power. I'm not really into superheroes. What are some of their powers? You name a few powers and I'll, I'll tell you which one I'd take. Sure. Well, you already chose an eagle for the whole flying thing, but flying flight is usually one. Um, there's invisibility, mind reading, super strength, um, super healing abilities, um, to name a few. Those oh, are oh yeah, popular. yeah. I would. I, okay, I, I go with Superman, and uh, why? Because I would have the ability to to fly and overtake all these jet bombers that are bombing Syria and bombing Yemen and bombing Somalia and the drones, all these flying, I could just go and rip their tails off. They couldn't navigate and then they'd eventually crash with their loads and all of these innocent people being bombed all of all, all over the place wouldn't have to deal with the carnage and the slaughter that's being inflicted on them. So those of you listening, thanks again for tuning in. And as you know, it is um, Black History Month here in the United States. And um, Brother Imam Zaid, I wanted to get a better sense from you as to why you feel this is such an important time of reflection um, for all Americans, but maybe more specifically for the Muslim community. Um, I think that sometimes we overlook the legacy of, uh, of Africa in the Islamic civilization, in world history in general. And I'd love to hear more about why you feel um, Black History Month is such an important legacy for us to celebrate and to honor. Well, to, to speak in the strictly Muslim context, I would assume most of the people listening to this will be Muslim. Uh, so in the interest of time, I would say it's extremely important to recognize the contribution of our Muslim ancestors. And when I say our, I don't mean those of us who might be of African descent, I mean all Muslims, because those Muslims who were brought here in great numbers, some say upwards to 20%, some say higher, of the slaves brought from Africa, they were Muslims. And many of them, we know their names. We know the names of the likes of uh, Ayyub bin Suleiman or Ibrahim Abdurrahman or Omar bin Said or uh, Muhammad Bakuba, or, or Kunta Kinte, mm -hmm. the, who was featured in Roots, who was a Muslim taken from uh, Jufre Island in the uh, Senegambia Delta area. So uh, those are Muslim ancestors. They are spiritual ancestors. So, for example, I'm not Arab, but Khadija and Aisha and Juwairia and Um Salama and uh, Zainab and uh, the, those are my mothers. Um So they're not my physical, biological grandmothers, but they're my spiritual mothers. I'm not a Syrian, but Ibrahim is my father. Milata Abikum Ibrahim, because I share a spiritual bond with him, and so similarly. We share a spiritual bond with those African Muslims who were here and who contributed to the building of America with their blood, sweat, and tears, which they contributed for free as they were enslaved. And so we have to recognize 
uh, our spiritual ancestors who helped to build this country and who sacrificed and whose labor was taken from free and who were in many instances kidnapped and taken from their native lands and had to endure an arduous, treacherous, torturous journey across the Atlantic under wretched, dehumanizing, unspeakable conditions. And by recognizing them, that affords legitimacy to our presence in this land as Muslims. A lot of Muslims with the rise of white nationalism and the uh, so-called Islamophobia are feeling they don't belong. But when you recognize that your ancestors built this place, contributed to the building of this place, then you understand that you have not only as legitimate a claim to this land, but a more legitimate claim to this land. And so it's incumbent upon us to understand that and then to respond accordingly by honoring those who preceded before, uh, who preceded us in this land as Muslims, but then doing everything in our power to contribute to the advancement and betterment of this land, which is legitimately ours, which was paid for by the blood and sweat and tears, as we said, of our Muslim ancestors who preceded us in this land. So I think is absolutely incumbent upon us. And then you don't have to uh, struggle with uh, uh, thoughts of legitimacy. You, one doesn't have to struggle with identity. Can I truly identify as being of this land? No, your Muslim ancestors are buried in this land. They're buried in this land. Their bones are in this land. They made dua for us. And so we have to answer those prayers by carrying on their legacy. And, and understanding and also taking great inspiration. Like if you read, for example, Sylvia and Diouf's Servants of Allah, African Muslims Enslaved in the Americas, or similar, similar literature, Michael Gomez's book, or the many books that are appearing on this issue. Al, Dr. Alan Austin, really a pioneer in this field uh, of studying the lives and times of African Mus uh, Muslims in the Americas. Uh, one understand, one can take great inspiration, understand under the brutal conditions of slavery and the hardships and challenges and struggles of slavery, they were fasting, they were praying, they were retaining the Qur'an. So it's very important for us to understand that and to not make excuses like, oh, it's tough, it's hard. Okay, it's tough, it's hard. There's racism, but was, did that racism culminate in race-based sl slavery? Did those hard times result in being whipped? If, if one is found reading a book, we can, Muslims can go to college. Muslims, the overwhelming majority, are college-educated individuals. And so... They held on to their Islam under those conditions. They persevered. They went forward. And it's incumbent upon all of us to persevere and to go forward and to do everything we can to uh, redeem the suffering of our Muslim ancestors in this land. No. Uh, one, one thing that's been quite striking to observe um, from my own personal experience, but I'm, I'm sure you have more insight to offer, is you know, there's all of, you know, this summary you just offered us about the psychology of, let's say, African-American Muslims who are already dealing with um, the greater environment or the dominant culture um, as 
a struggle on some level to assimilate or accommodate or feel, as you said, uh, that they can also identify as quote-unquote true Americans. And then there's a whole other layer to that too, which is the um, ethnocentrism and racism that exists within the Muslim community. And I, I was wondering if you had any advice or feedback on how we as Muslims also need to keep cultivating this um, true sense of, like you said, our spiritual brothers and sisters. And, you know, what what tips can you give us to help us go beyond our skin color and the ethnocentrism that currently does exist in, in certain populations amongst Muslims? I think is yeah, I, I understand the question. I think it's incumbent upon every single Muslim not to point the finger at another Muslim and that, oh, you're a racist and... Oh, you're you're from the lighter complexion Muslim, so you you have you're enjoying white privilege, and I'm excluded because I'm brown or dark skin. I think it's incumbent upon each and every one of us not to engage in that kind of uh, dialogue, if you will. It's incumbent upon each and every one of us to learn and implement the Sunnah of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in our lives and to follow the advice of the Qur'an. Allah tells us in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنَّا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ وَأُنْثَى وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا وَقَبَائِلًا لِتَعَارُفُوا إِنَّ أَكْرَمُكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهِ عَلِيمٌ خَبِيرٌ That, oh humanity, we've made you from a single pair. We've created you rather from a single pair and we've made you into nations and tribes that you recognize each other. In other words, you recognize in each other the creative power of Allah to create all of this diversity from a single pair. But we're all part of the same family. We all have the great, great to the 20th power, whatever power be grandfather Adam salam, and the same grandmother Eve or Hawa alayhi. Uh, and so that being the case, there's no foundation for us to feel that we're privileged or we are better or superior to any other Muslim or any other human being. Our Prophet وسلم, he mentioned, that Allah doesn't look at your physical forms. Nor does he look at your, uh, so Allah doesn't look at your physical forms, nor does he look at your wealth. Rather, he looks at your hearts and your deeds, which have no color. The hearts are the same color. We all bleed red and the deeds are colorless. And so this is our religion. The Prophet ﷺ in his, his own life and example, he would send uh, dark-skinned Arabs or Arabs of African descent, since, such as Bilal, to the, the, the homes of, he would send his companions who had dark complexions to the homes of aristocratic, lighter-skinned Arabs and tell them, tell them to marry your daughter to me. Uh, the Prophet has instructed you to marry your daughter to me. There are examples of that in the Sirah. So the Prophet just, he just didn't teach about breaking down those barriers of race and ethnicity, but he took he implemented policies to break them down. When when uh, Abu Dhar referred insultingly 
to Bilal as the son of a black woman, Yabna Sauda. The Prophet وسلم, uh, told Abu Dhar, You are a man who still has vestiges of pre Islamic ignorance in you. And then Abu Dhar placed his head on the ground and demanded that Bilal step on his head, since which Bilal didn't do. Just by, it shows that he was, he was responsive to the reminder of the Prophet wasallam, And we should be responsive to the reminder of the Prophet. The Prophet wasallam. people don't realize, Um Ayman, who was an Ethiopian slave, she was a servant of Khadija, عنها, and she freed her, and she was very beloved. To the Prophet ﷺ. Her name was Barakah And the Prophet ﷺ gave her the Kunya Um Ayman But she was an Ethiopian woman The Prophet She was one of the nurses of the Prophet ﷺ. Not a wet nurse But one who undertook his care During his early years And he referred to her as his mother After his mother Ummi ba'da Ummi She's my mother after my mother So the the lady he referred to as his mother was an African with dark skin. Zayd bin Haditha, he was from the, the black Arabs. Arab Sauda. Very dark complexion and very African like features. And the Prophet adopted him as his son before the practice was forbidden. So when when Zayd bin Haditha refused to go back to his biological family after they found him in Mecca and his uncle and father came looking for him and he refused to go back. He said, I, I stay with the Prophet No one has ever treated me like this man. I'll never find this treatment even with my own biological family. So the Prophet wasallam stood up with him at the Kaab and said, Had a Zayd bin Muhammad. This is Zayd, the son of Muhammad. So the, the person he adopted as his son was a dark-skinned person, and he became known as Hibbu Rasulillah, the beloved of the Messenger of Allah. He has such deep love. And then Um Ayman and Zayd bin Haditha married. They had a son, Usama bin Zayd, who's famous for leading the army, but people don't know that he was a very dark-skinned young man. His mother was from Africa and his father was from the black Arabs. And the Prophet, he was known as Hibbu Hibbi Rasulillahi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the beloved of the beloved of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi So the person he referred to as his mother, the person he adopted as his son before that practice was abandoned, the person who was more beloved to him than anyone else, were all dark-skinned people. And so this is our prophet. So the Muslims have to, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. the Muslims have to follow his example and internalize the teachings that he gave us and hold and esteem those who he held in esteem and follow the admonition of the Qur'an, which tells us Allah has made us into nation and tribes that we may recognize His creative power. That amongst His signs is the alternation of the night and day and the variation of your 
colors and your languages. Surely and this are signs for people who reflect. So the different physical features are all signs of Allah Ta'ala's creative power. And they're not, they're not uh, in, indicators of any superiority. As the first verse we mentioned, the most noble of you is the one who's most God conscious of you. So God consciousness is determination of superiority and not skin color or physical features. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you mentioned a very important point besides all these amazing examples is that the Prophet ﷺ used to actually try to implement or have policy, as you said, to start making these you know, socio-political changes amongst the yeah. tribes, amongst the families. And sometimes you, know, you have brothers and sisters who kind of want to step up and do something similar. But I find that sometimes people don't want to deal with the struggle of you know, the family pressure and so they just say, you know what, it's too difficult to make that, um, break this cycle. Um, and so they end up doing whatever the family wants. And this kind of still enables or perpetuates these same ideas of, you know, let's kind of stick to our own kind. I mean, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that if you want to marry from your culture, ethnicity. But obviously when people now use like these reasons not to marry someone like oh they're not too they're not fair-skinned enough or you know they are this other race that of course is is very uh problematic and um it, it just seems interesting that mashallah we love talking about how islam is so universal and so revolutionary and all this but then when it comes to sometimes uh the policy of of these principles uh it's still very difficult for a lot of people to really live with them and may allah bless us with the faith so that when the rubber hits the road, the tread doesn't fall off the tire. Because as you are implying, it's in the realm of action that uh, our the, the, the quality of our faith is measured, not in the realm of words. They said, Deen bitamani walakin ma waqara fil qalbi wasadaqahul amal. That faith isn't a wish or a fancy, rather it's what takes root in the heart and and is then testified to by the actions. Thank you so much, Imam Zayn. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Kareem Sirajuddin here. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit NurHuman.com to learn more about how I provide personal, spiritual, and relationship counsel and growth. Don't forget to visit CoffeeWithKareem.com to see the latest news and updates about this podcast. Please generously help sponsor the show to keep on going at Patreon.com slash CoffeeWithKareem. That's Patreon.com slash CoffeeWithKareem.